that your physical body, you know, this body and your body, will be raised on the last day. And the Lord uses the expression, the last day, and it is going to be the last day. When he comes again, the day of the resurrection, the day of the judgment, and the last day of this world and the universe. What's going to happen with your body? You think about the people who have died at sea. People who, whose work is maybe in the freight business. And they're going somewhere, they may not be back home for another few months or years. And someone dies at sea. Well, they can't just keep them there till they get home, they just bear them in the sea. We think about <clears throat> many shipwrecks, people during the Titanic who died. What's going to happen to their bodies? Well, I'm sure the, the animal world of the sea is taking care of that. So the Homer Haley spent some years working in Hawaii. And he mentioned in class one day about a lifesaver who left in his will the provisions that when he died, he wanted his body cremated. And then those ashes of his were to be taken up into an airplane and strewed along the beach where he had served as a lifeguard. And you think about what might have happened, or what did happen. First, his body was cremated, returned to the dust as it was. Well. Ecclesiastes 12 and 7 says that the dust returneth unto the earth as it was, and the Spirit returneth unto God who gave it. And so we recognize that, even if we're buried in the grave. But you think about these ashes being carried by the waves everywhere. And yet, what's going to happen in the day of judgment? Well, according to the Bible, that body is going to be not recreated, but resurrected. You think about a recreation when it's ashes, but this is what the Bible says. The soul is going to be placed back in the body, whether one's good, bad, saved, or lost. A few verses in 1 Corinthians 15, 50 through 52. Paul is talking about the resurrection in this chapter. Now this I say, brother or brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. Neither doth corruption inherit incorruption. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We all shall not sleep. He's talking about being dead. The Bible speaks about a person who sleep. He's not talking about soul sleep. He's talking about the body that appears to be asleep. We'll not all be dead, in other words, Paul is saying here with this expression, we shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump, for the trumpet shall sound and the dead shall be raised incorruptible and we shall be changed. We that are left, who haven't died yet, when the Lord does come. The Lord could come before I finish this lesson this morning. So we won't have to worry about the resurrection. We'll just be changed. But those who are in the grave, going back all the way to Adam and Eve, are going to be raised. Whatever's happened to their body through the centuries, it's going to be raised. It's going to be that body. Not going to be a new body. Yet, <laughs> maybe I need to qualify that. 
that physical body that's going to be raised will be changed into a spiritual body. Paul speaks about the body being buried a corruptible body, but it's going to be raised incorruptible. It's buried a mortal body, but it's going to be raised in immortality. Mortal means death, doesn't it? Immortality, that in negates it, it means it won't die. It's going to be sown a natural body. This is my natural body. You have your natural body. It's going to be raised a spiritual body. But it's the same body. The Lord will make a change there for us. There are a lot of people in the first century who did not believe in the resurrection of the body, of the dead. In fact, there were some in the church who did not. Let me give you a couple examples. One was in the church at Ephesus. Two names are mentioned, Hymenaeus and Philetus. These two brethren, and I don't know how many they had going with them, taught that the resurrection was past already. Now we don't know what they might have had in mind, but it's not talking about a physical resurrection because it had not already passed, but that's what they were saying. And as a result of that, They overthrew the faith of some in the congregation. Also, we think about the church at Corinth. There were those who denied the resurrection of Jesus. 1 Corinthians 15, 12. If Jesus, or if Christ, has preached that he has been raised from the dead, why say some among you that there is no resurrection from the dead? And Paul goes ahead, we'll look at the scripture later, to explain about the resurrection. So in the church of Ephesus, in the church of Corinth, there were those who did not believe in the resurrection in a proper sense. And there were people called the Gnostics. And the Gnostics believed that the body was evil. I guess everything that was of a material nature was evil. And so the body was the source of mankind's ills. They longed for the day when these Gnostics would be divested of their body and never have to enter it again. Well, let me see other examples from the first century. Well, of course, we're all familiar with the, the, the uh, Sadducees. They had their encounters with Jesus and with the Pharisees and with Paul. In Matthew 22, there were some Sadducees who came to Jesus. They didn't believe in the resurrection, and so they put to him this scenario. Here's a woman married to a man, and he died. They had no children. Well, according to that great law, if he had a brother at home, then that brother was to marry that widow. Well, the way it goes, there were seven brothers, and they were all eligible to marry. And so in the resurrection, they asked, whose wife is she going to be? In this life, she was married to all seven brothers. Well, Jesus said, you do err, not knowing the scriptures nor the power of God. He talks about the immortality of the soul, which they were denying. What did God say to Moses? I am the God of Abraham, the God of Jacob, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And then he said, well, God's not the God of the dead. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob were buried in the cave of Machpelah back in the 18th and 17th centuries before Christ came. They're not dead. Their bodies are buried. 
Well, perhaps we should not be surprised, looking at these in the first century, with those who deny the resurrection today. An article in the Soviet Encyclopedia states that the concept of the resurrection is in, and I'm quoting, decisive contradiction with scientific natural knowledge. Of course, the Soviets are well known for being atheists. They don't believe in the resurrection. They say, well, that's just contradictory to all that we know in natural science. And there are those theologians, and I call them liberal because they don't they just don't believe all the Bible says. They, they, they like what Jesus taught in the Sermon on the Mount. But they don't like any of the miracles that you read about. In the, they don't like the flood of Noah's day. That's just a myth. Rudolf Bultmann, a theologian back in the uh, 19th century, came up with the idea of demythologizing the scriptures. Everything that had to do with the supernatural or miraculous elements was just a myth. It didn't happen. We don't see any miracles today. And so if we're going to follow the natural law, they couldn't have happened back then either. And so a lot of people, theologians, people who earn their money teaching the Bible, don't believe the essential parts of the Bible. They may be teaching in universities or preaching somewhere. Demythologies of the Bible. What about the Jehovah's Witnesses? Well, of course, they don't believe in hell. They don't believe in eternal punishment. And they state, however, that the incorrigibly wicked will never be remembered in the resurrection or for the resurrection. And so they don't think everybody's going to be raised from the dead. But the Bible teaches that the Lord's resurrection is heaven's guarantee that we too shall be raised from the dead. Paul speaks about Jesus as being the first fruits of the general resurrection. That's in 1 Corinthians 15 verse 20. And the idea of first fruits implies a future harvest. Jesus was just the first that remained alive after he was raised from the dead. Well, let me give you another example or two. The people today who do not believe in the resurrection. In a survey conducted by the Barna Research Group from uh, Glendale, California. Now, everything I've read about the uh, Barna Research Group has to do with the religious questions. I don't know if they're involved with uh, political questions or any kind else, but uh, this was, of course, a religious question. In March of 96, they found that, and I'm quoting and using their words, that 90, no, excuse me, that 30% of born-again Christians do not believe that Jesus came back to physical life after he was crucified. Now think about that. 30%. And they refer to themselves as born-again Christians. Well, of course, Jesus taught in John 3 and 5, except one be born again, be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. 
But we don't need to say born again and Christian, but that's just the way they do it. Suggesting that there are others who claim to be Christians who are not born again. That's why they use that term. But what I want to notice is that 30% of these folks who claim to be so fundamentally evangelistic Christians do not believe in the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. And that's hard to believe. I don't doubt these people's research work, but... Let me give you another research. During the uh, latter 60s, Jeffrey Hadley, a, a sociologist of Western Reserve University of Cleveland, Ohio. This fellow was a sociologist. And he sent inquiries to some 10,000 Protestant preachers. They were all preachers. And he had a response of 75%, which is pretty good for surveys you send out. One of the queries was whether they believed in the physical resurrection of Jesus Christ. Notice, in the same sense that they accepted Lincoln's assassination. Now, I can see why they say that. He's talking about a historical event. I mean, everybody accepts the fact as historical. Abraham Lincoln was assassinated. That really happened, literally. Well, do they believe in the literal bodily resurrection of Jesus? That was what the question meant. Well, of the results, we find this. 51%, remember these are all preachers, 51% of the Methodist preachers who responded to the survey rejected Jesus' bodily resurrection. That's a little bit over half. 35% of the United Presbyterian preachers rejected his body resurrection. 33% of the American Baptist preachers rejected his resurrection. Now, don't want to lead anybody astray here, but one denomination is the American Baptist. Another is the Southern Baptist. In fact, there are a number of Baptist denominations. So we're not talking about all Baptists, we're not talking about the Southern Baptists, but here it's the American Baptists, and they tend to be more liberal than the Southern. But one out of every three reject the bodily resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Thirty percent of the Episcopal priests, they call their preachers priests, reject it. Twenty percent of the Lutheran preachers reject his bodily resurrection. Now, there are others who claim to believe in the resurrection of Jesus, but they have their own concept of resurrection. They're thinking their own way of rose again. They do not subscribe to the concept that the body, the physical body of Christ, actually came forth from the tomb. It was only in a spiritual sense that he arose, they say. In other words, Jesus' abiding influence for so long, effectually all the way through the different parts of the world, was so effective that it was as if he actually came from the grave. And so this is the way a lot of folks say, oh, I believe in the resurrection of Jesus. They're not talking about his physical resurrection, they're talking about the fact that what he taught has not died. And it keeps going, like the Sermon on the Mount and so forth. 
So you have to be careful about some folks using accommodative speech of the resurrection. Well, I think I made this clear, but let me say it again. By the resurrection, we mean that one's spirit or soul re-enters into the dead body and activates it, makes it come alive. We mean the re-entrance of spirits into dead bodies, this is in the plural, in order that there might be life again as touching those resurrected bodies. So I think we understand what the resurrection means. To answer those at Corinth, that we've already referred to, denying the bodily resurrection of Christ, Paul said that the resurrection of Jesus is the central part of the gospel of what the apostles preached. The resurrection is what gives meaning and power to God's whole scheme of redemption. Without the resurrection, everything about our faith and worship. You know, if Jesus is still in the grave, how can we worship God through him? How can we anticipate salvation? We don't have it. So without the resurrection, everything about our faith and worship is empty. Let me read a few verses, if you want to read with me. It's in 1 Corinthians 12, and I'll start with verse 12, 12 through 19. Now, if Christ is preached, that he has not been raised from the dead, how say some among you that there is no resurrection of the dead? But if there is no resurrection of the dead, neither has Christ been raised. He ties the two together. Verse 14. And if Christ hath not been raised, then is our preaching vain. Your faith also is vain, because you believe what we preached. 15. Yea, and we are found false witnesses of God. What had the apostles been witnessing to? They had seen Jesus alive after his resurrection, after he was dead. Testifying that he was resurrected. So we are found false witnesses, if that's not so. Because we witnessed of God that he raised up Christ, who he raised not up, if so be, that the dead are not raised. Well, that's it. Let's look at some Bible evidence. And we'll start with the Old Testament. Pointing to the resurrection of the dead. When we turn to, no, we won't turn to that yet. We think about the translation of Enoch, the seventh from Adam. Uh, the translation of the prophet Elijah. They didn't experience death. God just took them up into heaven. Now what happened to their bodies, we don't know. I guess wherever they, the soul went into Hades, but the, they continued to live. They did not die. They were immortal. And you remember at the uh, Mount of Transfiguration? Here's Jesus transfigured, and who appears to him? Moses and Elijah. They died, well, Moses died. Elijah was just translated. They were both there. And then when you notice the apostles, Peter and Paul, and I'm sure the others when they went out preaching, 
referred to the promise in Psalm 16 and 10 that Jesus would be raised from the dead? Let me read it from the Old Testament. For thou wilt not leave my soul to Sheol, that's the Hebrew word for Hades, and Hades is the Greek word for Hades, for the realm of departed spirits. For thou wilt not leave my soul to Sheol, neither wilt thou suffer thy Holy One to see corruption. Jesus was in the tomb for a part of three days. His body did not begin to decompose, to be corrupted. And so his soul re-entered that dead body and he was resurrected. And 1,000 years before it took place, David said in Psalm 16 and it would happen. What about the prophet Daniel, chapter 12 and verse 2? And many of them that sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake, some to everlasting life, and some to shame and everlasting contempt. In this 1 Corinthians 15 chapter on the resurrection, Paul quotes Hosea, the first minor prophet as we read the, the Old Testament. In chapter 15, verses 55 56, this found Hosea. Chapter 13 and 14, and I'll read it and you'll recognize it. O death, where is thy sting? O death, where is, no, oh, where is thy victory? O death, where is thy sting? Because the resurrection, death has been destroyed. Doesn't have any power. In 2 Timothy 1 and 10, Paul refers to God's grace that has now been manifested by the appearance of our Savior Christ Jesus, notice, who abolished, <clears throat> who abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. Now, we've already mentioned immortality that he brought to light as reference to the soul. And the soul does not die at the death of the body. But what do you mean, Jesus, or Paul, when you say that Jesus abolished death? He destroyed death. Well, not in the sense that he saves mankind from dying. Couldn't be that, could it? But that he destroyed the hold of death. H-O-L-D. Jesus destroyed the hold of death over man. And he showed by his own death and resurrection that Christ, I mean that death is not the final state. Well, let's look in the New Testament. We mentioned in class this morning, Luke 14 and 14, where uh, Jesus said to his disciples, when you have a feast, and he was at a feast, and he's just sort of teaching from that, <clears throat> don't invite your neighbors, your family, your rich friends, who will in turn invite you to their home, recompense you. But when you have a feast, he said, invite the poor and the blind, the maimed, the lame, those who were not able to recompense you. But his promise was they will be recompensed at the resurrection of the just. In John 5, 28 and 29, Jesus said, Marvel not at this, for the hour cometh. And all that are in the grave shall hear his voice and shall come forth. 
they that have done good under the resurrection of life and they that have done evil under the resurrection of condemnation. One resurrection, but everybody's going to be in that resurrection. The next chapter, John 6, 44. Jesus said, No man can come to me except the Father who sent me draw him, and I will raise him up in the last day. The resurrection. Remember when uh, Jesus received word that Lazarus was sick? Well, he knew what he wanted to do, so he tarried until Lazarus died. And then the messenger came again and said, He's dead now. And then Jesus went to Bethany. It takes two days for the messenger to get there, two more days for Jesus to get to Bethany. It's four days. You remember when they went to the tomb, Martha said, he's been dead four days. Surely his body's begun to decompose. Jesus asked this Martha, do you believe that Lazarus will be raised from the dead? You remember her reply? Oh, yes. Lazarus will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. That's when Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth on me, though he die, yet shall he live. A couple more. 1 Thessalonians 4, 16 and 17. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout. It's the resurrection day. With the voice of the archangel and with the trump of God. And they that are dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we that are alive, that are left, shall together with them be caught up in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. Comfort you one another with these words. He speaks about being raised first. He's not talking about being raised before the, the wicked people. It seems as though the people in the church of Thessalonica had the idea that some who had already died in the Lord were going to miss out on something when Jesus comes. Paul said, no, I'm not going to miss out on anything. They're going to rise first, and then we who are still alive are going to be changed. And together, we're going to ascend up into the clouds to meet the Lord. Acts 24 and 15, there shall be a... Not some, but a resurrection of the dead, both of the just and the unjust. The Bible doctrine of the resurrection, as we know, pervades the whole Bible. There is no doctrine taught with more force and clarity than the resurrection of Jesus and of everybody else. Very briefly, this would be another sermon. We believe in the Bible. Evidence is for believing in the resurrection. We believe in the Bible. And so that's what it says. I accept that. Because we've studied all the evidence that point to the Bible as being God's divine, inspired, infallible word. But in that Bible, we also notice that there was an empty tomb. The question is, what happened to the body? Well, certainly the, the enemies didn't take it because if they had had the body when Peter stood up on the dead at Pentecost and said, he's been raised and he's in heaven, seated at the right hand of God. They'd have brought out Jesus' body and they'd say, well, now, who's this? 
They didn't do it. They wish they could have, but they couldn't have done it. And of course, the disciples wouldn't have stolen the body and then gone around and preached his raised from the dead. They were honest people. And certainly they wouldn't have died for a lie that they'd been telling if it was a lie. Oh, about the post-resurrection appearances of Jesus. And on one occasion, he appeared to more than 500 at one time up in Galilee. What about the transformed apostles? They didn't hardly believe in the resurrection until they saw Jesus. Well, they didn't, did they? But they, their lives were changed. And then the establishment of the church, the Lord's Day. What brought these about? The resurrection of Jesus.